Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Ty Kersley. And I'm Sean Stefanik with Gays Against Guns. And this week, we discuss the National Shooting Sports Foundation with Newtown Action Alliance Chairwoman Poe Murray. Later, I will speak to Guillermo Sabate from Giffords, Gun Owners for Safety, about the new generation of gun owners in the gun violence prevention movement. But first, our in memoriam. In remembrance of Pamela Sled, 62 years old, and Promise Mays, 21 years old, August 18, 2021, in Frankfort, Indiana, Pamela Sled and her granddaughter Promise Mays were fatally shot by a co-worker at an Indiana automotive plant. This is the second workplace shooting in central Indiana this year. Penny Ains, Sled's daughter and mother of Mays, said she lost the two of the most important people in her life and the heartbreak is just setting in. I have my moments when I'm fine. I haven't really grasped the reality yet, said Ains, as she and her husband Dennis sat surrounded by family. Ains said, my mom was a wonderful woman. She loved her grandkids, loved me, and family. That afternoon, Ains knew something horrible happened at NHK. In the pit of her stomach, she knew either her mother or her daughter were involved. Sled had been with the company for a couple of years, and her granddaughter started earlier this year. When neither of them answered phone calls or texts, Ains feared the worst. Prosecutors say surveillance video shows the shooter with a semi-automatic handgun dragging Mays to the back of his car and tried to force her into the trunk, and then shooting Sled and Mays multiple times. Sled and Mays often rode to work together, and that was the case on Wednesday. The two ate lunch and took breaks together. Penny Ains shared, They were the most fun-loving, caring two people I have ever been blessed to have in my life, and they would have done anything for anybody. They also brighten your day. They always gave words of encouragement. Promise lit up the room, and my mom was always happy and positive. They were wonderful, Ains said. Pamela Sled, Promise Mays, we remember you. And remember, you can see photos of Pamela Sled and Promise Mays on our Gag Human Beings page on Facebook, where we honor all lives lost to gun violence. Up next, our very informative conversation with Poe Murray from the Newtown Action Alliance about the National Shooting Sports Foundation and breaking down their agenda, how they've been handling their money, and their frightening influence. Welcome to Radio Gag. Thank you, Ty, for having me on today. All right. I appreciate it. We wanted to dive deep in to figure out and tell our listeners who the NSSF is. Yeah, we, we ran across their unpleasant presence about two shows ago when I was covering a story involving the, U, the Mexican government suing U.S. gun manufacturers because of the overflow of guns that traffic into their country. And at the time, anyhow, the only organization that, you know, thought they were being ballsy enough to like stand up and, you know, disregard the Mexican government was the NSSF. Now, I'm going to be very honest about that. Up to about two shows ago, I had absolutely no idea who that was. And in the time since then, I've, you know, researched them and found that they're uh, an establishment that go all the way back to 1961. Yeah, that's right. Um, so most Americans are not familiar with the um, 
National Shooting Sports Foundation. Uh, most Americans are very familiar with the National Rifle Association, the NRA. Um, but the NSSF um, is actually headquartered three miles um, from the Sandy Hook Elementary School, um, you know, which is so ironic um, because most Americans are not aware that NSSF's political influence is huge, and it's as big as the NRA. Um, since the Sandy Hook uh, shooting tragedy, when my neighbor killed 20 children and six educators in 2012, uh, NSSF has spent over near, actually nearly $30 million dollars. Um, to lobby against all sensible gun laws um, in the states and um, federally. Uh, the NSSF has opposed um, many of the sensible gun laws, such as the Manchin-Toomey and the King-Thompson background check bill that was uh, voted on after the Sandy Hook tragedy in 2013. And they have opposed many other gun safety, gun safety regulations, such as laws requiring parents to safely store firearms in their home um, in the manner that is described in their own, very own Project Child Safe uh, Safety Kit brochures. Uh, they have also opposed child access prevention laws um, that hold adults criminally responsible for children uh, who gain unauthorized access to the guns. Um, they also um, have supported unprecedented legal immunity for the gun industry the PLACA, uh, which prevents um, parents and you know, victims from bringing lawsuits against the gun industry. And sadly, they also have redefined um, what an assault weapon is and rebranded it as modern sporting rifles uh, wow. because it benefits the gun industry to sell more assault weapons and high capacity magazines. And I could go on and on and on <laughs> you know, with sure. a list of gun bills and policies um, that they do not support. Um, so they've been a fairly bad actor contributing to the gun violence crisis in our country. Um, how, how effective are they, you know, in comparison, if I may, to the National Rifle Association who have their hooks in all sorts of politicians as well as organizations and establishments? Yeah. So Sean, um, they are highly effective. Um, as I stated, they spent nearly $30 million to lobby against all gun laws. Um, and recently, they came out very strong and spent millions of dollars against the nomination and confirmation of David Chipman as our next ATF director. So they have a lot of money. They are the trade association for the gun industry. They're directly linked to the industry. They fund this gun lobby group to fight against gun, um, you know, gun gun safety measures uh, for for gun profits. That's the bottom line. It's all about making money for the gun industry. They do not care about saving lives. But Sean, what makes them really dangerous is that they partner um, with the federal government um, on projects like Project Child Safe. Um, and other programs like suicide prevention programs and organizations um, to mask the work that they are doing um, to lobby Congress against life-saving measures. I guess also the reason we don't know about them is there's just not as much controversy with them as 
maybe the NRA? Well, they stay under the radar. Um, they certainly represent the industry very well. And every January, they hold the biggest gun show in the world called the SHOT Show. So as you can imagine, I mean, even our um, government entities, you know, and police departments, uh, they attend these um, SHOT Show events in Las Vegas to purchase guns um, from the industry. So they collaborate with government entities. And like I said, they stay under the radar. Um, they're not as egregious as the NRA in, um, in public statements to, um, to uh, you know, to promote their um, agenda, which is guns to everyone everywhere. We were kind of calling them NRA light or like diet NRA, but you're saying mm -hmm. it's basically just as um, deadly to Americans, at least. That's right. That's right. I would not call them the NRA light. Um, after the Sandy Hook tragedy, uh, Connecticut passed the second strongest gun laws in the nation. And guess what they did? They filed a lawsuit against the state. And they have filed lawsuits against other states as well, in California, in Colorado, and some municipalities to um, prevent the enactment of, you know, gun laws. So it's really important, um, like I said, for us to pay attention to what they're doing um, and, and um, counter their, their work that they're doing. Um, we're, we're, we are working really hard to try to educate um, the broader communities across the country about the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And we are also working to educate the government, you know, the White House and others. Um, to encourage them to not give our tax dollars to fund any of the projects that they are engaged in. Because right. on one hand, they're taking money, our tax dollars, and pretending that they are a gun safety organization, when in reality, they are corporate gun lobby, directly working on behalf of the industry to sell more guns, despite wow. the fact that we have significant gun deaths and injuries in this country. Well, what's one of the things that uh, Newtown you've been able to do um, to kind of that oppose a, them? Yeah, that is a great question. So organically, after the Sandy Hook tragedy, a group of Newtowners began to picket outside their he corporate headquarters. Um, and for the past nine years, we've held many vigils and many protests in, in front of their um, office. Uh, for years, the, um, the other side, the gun rights activists and NSSS supporters have, uh, you know, learned about our protests and they would uh, get there early with their guns um, to intimidate us. And recently, we have submitted a proposal to change the ordinance or create an ordinance in Newtown to um, ban armed intimidation. Our proposal included um, eliminating guns at uh, protests, like the ones at NSSF, and also banning guns on town property and town buildings, and also banning open carry. But they've decided to evaluate, evaluate just banning open carry on town property. So we are trying to do something about it locally. Um, and um, so in the future, it would be great to have GAG Visit us board. in Newtown, <laughs> right? Yeah. With your Same humans. Again. We've agreed. I'm already there, ready to join. <laughs> Please come.
Okay. Um, yeah. Let's do it. Hold a, let's hold a pro protest together. Absolutely. Yeah, good. I mean, I suppose the only thing I can add at this point is the very snarky, catty comment that it looks like the gun violence problem has its Delta variant here in the NSSF. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's actually a, a good analogy. Um, I also want to invite you and all your followers to join us in December. Every year we hold a national vigil for all victims of gun violence on Capitol Hill. Um, that will be held on December 8th this year from seven to nine. And then we encourage our partners from across the country to hold a local event to shine a light on this devastating impact of gun violence and to support the families and survivors who have been directly impacted by gun violence. Absolutely, and we'll be promoting that, absolutely. Thank you. No problem. Absolutely. What's a good way for people to find some information um, about Newtown? Sure. We have um, two organizations. Uh, our 501c4, the advocacy group is called Newtown Action Alliance. And you can find more information about our campaigns and how to reach us at www.newtownaction.org. And then um, for our Newtown Action Alliance Foundation, you can find information about the vigils. Uh, and that is www.NewtownActionAllianceFoundation.org. It's been nine years since my neighbor killed 20 children and six educators. And we had expected the trajectory of gun violence uh, with gun deaths and injuries going down um, with policies, you know, state, local, and federal policies. But sadly, uh, we haven't made a lot of progress on the federal level. It's been 27 years since a federal law has been passed and signed into law, and we're still waiting. Meanwhile, gun sales are surging, gun deaths are surging, and gun injuries are surging, um, as, as, as well as the number of mass shooting incidents. So we all need to be engaged. I implore your community to get engaged. Um, join an organization like GAG or Newtown Action or, or any other group. And also, most importantly, fight for voting rights. Because if we can't vote for gun safety candidates who will vote for the legislative proposals that we have been pushing for, then we're not going to see change. And, you know, the death will continue to rise. Thank you so much for, uh, for enlightening us. And, uh, and hopefully our listeners are now aware of uh, the dangers that have been hiding in the shadows. Yes. So. Well, thank you for um, having me on. And I really enjoyed um, speaking to you about this very important issue. Absolutely. Okay, thank you so much. You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show here on listener-sponsored commercial-free radio WBAI. We're here every Tuesday at 2.30, bringing you the latest in gun violence prevention movement news. I wanted to start a segment on the show where we talk to gun owners about gun rights, safety, and gun violence prevention. I recently spoke with Guillermo Sabate, who is a gun owner and gun safety advocate. We discussed everything from gun violence in his life, gun safety training, including his children, and his thoughts on a national registry for guns. 
Hi, Guillermo. Welcome to Radio Gag. How did you end up with Giffords? I it's interesting how I came across Giffords. It, it's it's I'm a gun owner. I've been a gun owner all my life, and 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 uh, uh, I've had a lot of experience from training, education, all the way up to you know it's uh, defensive handgun use at some points, right? Well, defensive firearms use. So, and I've had parts of my family on my Honduran side uh, kidnapped. I've had uh, five members of my family kidnapped. Well, six really, five of them perished. So that, that definitely impacts my view on gun rights, right? And the ability to have the tools to defend yourself and especially the superior tools than, you know, that everybody else would have in that regard, right? So for me, I've, 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 I've been in Honduras where they tried to abduct my cousin, not me because I'm not that important, but they were trying to abduct my cousin and we were able to hold off eight attackers, right, with a modern sporting rifle. Which most people know as an AR-15, right? So, so that that for me just it's, you know it, it's an indelible experience at that point, right? I mean, granted, I have plenty of training. I have been a private military contractor for a while, and before that, I have been in the military serving in Honduras. So, I've got that perspective, and I've also survived um, home invasion when I was living in Hialeah, which is a town near Miami. I was home minding my business on a, on a, on a weeknight, and, and and just broke in because both cars were at the shop that day. So they thought no one was home. So that, so that, that's what even happened. So, so I've not, I've, I haven't been a stranger to that kind of violence. Where for me, firearms made a big deal when it came to equalizing my, my odds of surviving, right? Or not just surviving, but you know, overcoming and prevailing. So now, fast forward to the whole thing with Giffords is that I saw gun owners for safety. So I said, well, maybe I've got something here that I can, you know, I've got something in common to at least have. A better platform to be able to approach uh, lawmakers. A lot of gun owners are not politically engaged. You may think they are, but they're not. And only when something becomes uh, clearly, clearly threatening to them, whether whether it's they're gonna do a gun ban or they want to change, for example, preemption laws in Florida, for example, where I say they want to make individual cities have different laws and a patchwork of laws. That's when they get involved, right? And by then, it's you have now been so removed from the process that you you you've almost you have to have more of an extreme type of response to to, to you know with your politicians. And by then, it's too late to make any changes, really, right? So my approach was uh, to get involved uh, with the political process, the local political process, right, with your congressman, with your center state level or a federal level right and then make make uh make your case there so these uh these problems that we're all facing that i think we have a better chance than standing on either ends of the or either extreme ends of the issue just yelling at each other right um i'm here thank you um my first thought would be then suicide prevention but i think it's also you know um child safety uh gun owner safety how do you find that way of talking to gun owners or is it, do you bring in gun owners to talk about this or is it more like you're just being more of an advocate as a gun owner for gun safety, gun violence prevention? That's a great question actually, because um, to make a long story short, it's, it's my philosophies were regarding uh, kids in the house. Right. And the kids all understand, hey, you know, Cameron has his guns in the safe. The adults access them when, when, you know, if they need them, but they all stay in the safe. We, we don't have access to them. And they've been, they've been exposed to firearms over a long, careful period of like training and evaluation. And 
they all recently went through a um, hunter safety education, which was at least four and a half hours of online training with assessments, followed by an eight hour practical in-class skills day. And I gotta tell you, I, I went with them, right? And I was impressed with the type of training, everything you and I talk about, right? Regarding gun safety, gun storage access, even mental health, and of course, signs of depression, right? So they addressed all that there. So that's something that I think nobody talks about because hunter safety education, at least in Florida anyway, I thought was highly, very impressive, highly effective, and it's funded by the Pittman-Robertson Act, um, which, which that's where most of that money comes from. And then of course the NSSF is involved in that as well because they also lean heavy towards hunter rights. So brings it full circle to, my, to, to the answer to the question you had was that um, when it comes to kids, right, that, that sort of education and exposure, I mean, we're, we're the diplomats and the advocates for, uh, for, 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 for our own rights. And it, it's really, really important imperative that, that we do it correctly, which again brings me to the next point, which is gun culture 2.0, right? Where it's like, yeah, we believe in our rights fiercely but it's, it's more of a careful data-driven approach and it's very, very hard on, heavy on training. Whereas that, that old bravado is, is, is a thing of the past. It, it is, this new, this new generation and culture is leaning more towards safety and training, but they're also very, very involved and vocal on maintaining their rights. So it's kind of like a, a very interesting combination of those two. So. If you were to make this training mandatory nationwide, if you were to take, um, any kind of training that you've been given or lessons and then then implement it how do you tell the people who think their rights are being taken away um that that's not the case is it because i've been told to just move on there's a certain percent of the population you're just never going to convince but it's a small percentage of population i think i think the best way to do and i gotta be honest with you is incentivizing it rather than mandating it incentivize it because how else can you, yeah, they're not going to get a way of, of firearm ownership, but hey, you want to go hunt? You got you to pass this uh, hunter safety course. Right. Mm, man, because I've come from Latin America and I've seen, I've seen registries abused. I've seen it happen. I've seen it confiscated. And uh, it's, you're going to have a hard time convincing me of that. But if there was an incentive, you want to get people incentivized and it, just look at the NFA rules. People are willing to sign their life away just to, just to get a dumb little suppressor that only reduces your noise by 20%, 30%, right. right? So if you're willing to do that, right, go through all that and give the ATF full access to your life because you want to have a suppressor, right? I mean, if you if you have a suppressor, there's a good chance you also own firearms. <laughs> so that's probably the way to incentivize it, right? Uh, change right. some of the NFA rules, I think, in that regard. Well, I think at the end of the day, we both want the same thing. We want to we want to save lives. We want to avoid people dying, being murdered, or being killed accidentally. We want to avoid suicides, right? So, so we want the same thing. Ultimately, it's the way we're going about it. Maybe a little bit different. So, and I guess you know, people like you and I coming together and talking about this, we you might find out that we have a lot more in common that you know that, that we have different than. So, I, I'm glad that the conversation uh, door is open. I appreciate it. Yeah, I really look forward to having more of these conversations. We can, you know, move the needle in a direction that saves lives and protects our rights. All right. Thank you again uh, you. for joining us on Radio Gag. <laughs>
To find out more about working with us, please go to gaysagainstguns.net or follow us at Gays Against Guns NY on Facebook and Instagram or Gag No Guns on Twitter. Another great way to get involved is by becoming a WBAI buddy. A WBAI buddy is someone who keeps our unique volunteer-run radio show going by giving a small donation every month. Just a modest monthly contribution can really help keep us on air here at WBAI to bring you this live show every week. Just go to WBAI.org or call 212-209-2950 and become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Uh, well, thanks for listening, and we're back next Tuesday and every Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. And don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or any major podcast platform. We'll see you again next week, and until then, we leave you with our fabulous sing- singing quartet. Sing out, Louise. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening. between churches and Congress, making a choice between rightness and wrongness, taking down tyrants who act like they're kings. These are a few of our favorite things. The right to gather and the First Amendment, choices I'd rather and thoughts independent, getting a lawyer when I'm in a fight. These are a few of my favorite rights. When the laws bend, when the feds cheat, and I'm feeling mad, I simply remember the Constitution, and then I don't feel so bad. Marching around when I'm angry with Congress, shouting them down to make them keep their promise, going to school feeling safe day and night. These are a few of my favorite rights. When the news sucks, when the jerks win, and I'm feeling mad, I simply remember the Constitution, and then I don't feel...